Oramai. Good morning. This is Judith Lay welcoming you to Manx Radio and to the podcast of this week's edition of At Your Service. Manx Radio. On the programme today, we find out why around 700 of the island's schoolchildren are heading for Russian Abbey. Phil Crane takes us to Mackold and creates an oasis of peace through poetry. Today's notice board really does have news of something for everyone, and Ruth Rice says, you are good enough. But let's start with music, and quite simply a great hymn of praise from the award-winning Wallingford Parish Church Choir from Oxfordshire. Praise my soul, the King of Heaven. Wallingford Parish Church Choir and Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven. Scripture Union Ministries Trust, or SUMT as it's often called, is a Manx charity operating on the island under the umbrella of the much larger charity Scripture Union. And its main aim is to bring faith within reach of every child and young person on the Isle of Man, supporting their holistic development while continually encouraging them to come to their own conclusions. 
Scripture Union Ministries Trust has a board of trustees and a team of staff who work with dedicated and trained volunteers to deliver a programme of after-school groups and clubs, residential weekends and a wide variety of other regular events. One of these is an annual event called Life Path, which is offered to all the island's Year 5 schoolchildren and invites them to spend a day at Russian Abbey. Life Path runs for a week and different schools take part each day. Earlier this week, I went to Russian Abbey at the end of the first day to find out more. First, I spoke with the current team leader of SUMT, Ruth Walker, for whom this will be her last Life Path. Later in the summer, Ruth will be leaving the island to take up a new ministry. So I wondered if perhaps this year's Life Path is tinged with a bit of sadness for her. Yeah, yeah. This is my 12th year connected in with Life Paths. And so, yeah, I was really grateful that I got to do one more, got to kind of do my last Life Path. It's interesting kind of walking around and remembering all of the other years and all of the different children and team who've come through the years, yeah. Just remind me, in a a sentence or two, what Life Path is about. Because the thing that's important about this is it is genuinely part of the educational curriculum. This is not just a a fun day that you're offering to the children. They are having a great time, there's no doubt about that. Lots of new experiences. But it is genuinely part of the curriculum. Yeah, so Life Path is about... Um, the monks who used to live at Russian Abbey and how they lived and worshipped and worked when they were here, the Cistercian monks. And it's also about modern day Christians and how they work and worship and where the overlap is there and where the differences are there with that. And like you say, it's on the Year 5 National Curriculum now. And so all of the Year 5 students of the island are invited. They don't all come, but they are all invited to come along during the week. What kind of take-up rate, sort of percentage-wise, would you say, of the ones that are invited? Well, we have about 700 students coming this year, and there's roughly somewhere between 900 and 1,000 students per year, so we're about 70%. Do the teachers come with them? Yeah, so the school bring um, enough staff to supervise their own children, so they bring their teachers and their classroom assistants, and they'll bring um, some parent helpers sometimes if they need that for numbers. And then we have all of our team here as well. There's about between 50 and 60 of us here every day running all of the activities. There's a lot of preparation goes in, so you must rely on a lot of volunteers to build up to this. Yeah, Life Path work kind of starts in about November and we run through till this week at the end of June and then We have a little bit of a break and we start again, but like you say, lots of volunteers involved in that. There's lots of cutting out, there's lots of sewing of journey bags. Every child gets a journey bag that they get to put everything they make and get given in there. There's lots of sourcing of different things that we need. Almost all of the the big churches get involved in some way or other. And some people come and they give the entire six days and they're here every day and they're here for setup day before that. And some people are just able to come and give a day or they're able to do sewing or cutting or laminating beforehand because their job means that they can't give up a day during the school day. And all of that is so gratefully received by our team. A lot of our team say one of their favourite things about it, as well as working with the children, is working with different people from different churches. And saw even this morning on day one, some of our team greeting each other having not seen each other since last year's life path this is their only week of the year they see each other and spend time together but they feel part of the life path family over the the 13 years we've been running now 
Ruth, I'm sure there'll be a lot that you've learned over these 12 years that you'll take with you. And so I hope that just around about this time next year, you'll be thinking a little nostalgically about Life Path. <laughs> yeah, I think that will be true. <laughs> Ruth Walker, thank you very much indeed for talking to me. Thank you. Ruth mentioned that an army of volunteers take part each day to make sure the children have the best possible experience. Sister and brother, Rosie and Xander Shirtliff, join us now to explain their part as LifePath volunteers. Firstly, I asked Rosie to explain her involvement. So I've been doing LifePath for quite a few years. I had to take a break um, because of COVID, but I'm back again this year. And so this year I've been a journey guide. I've been working with a specific school and I guide them around throughout the day. So they go to each of the four workshops. They meet the monks and learn about the life of the monks. And then you've got one where they think about what prayer is and, and think about themselves and that side of things. And then you've got one where they travel through time and they meet a disciple and they meet an abbot of the abbey and they meet Bishop Wilson. And then they meet a modern day Christian. And then finally we ended up going to signs and symbols which is where they do like a little metal tapping and some calligraphy and they do something that's meaningful towards themselves. And how do the children react to it? I guess they would come in not really knowing what the day is going to involve. Well it's always great because when they arrive they are really quite quiet and don't feel comfortable doing the bits and bobs that all seem a bit bit wild to them but you see them coming out of their shelves throughout the day and by the end of the day they're absolutely loving it. You know this is a trip that they'll remember forever and you can just see how much fun they're having. Seeing how Christianity fits in in a in a real kind of way, isn't it? Yes. Sander, what is your involvement in this? So far, I've been a monk in the monk station and I've been helping out as a helper monk. Do the children talk to you? Do they ask you questions? Yeah, they sometimes do ask us questions. And the monk station is mostly known for the fish porridge, as they often call it. It does have a fancier name. Fermentum, as it is called. They taste that and that's normally one of the main things they remember several years down the line. So it's nice to be a part of something which they will remember later on. And of course, there's a lot that's a revelation to them. The fact that these monks knew so much about healthcare. They grew herbs and, and plants and they knew what their health-giving properties were. It'd be quite a surprise for many young people to realise that we had such medicine even back like a thousand years. Are you committed now for some more days this, this week ahead? Yes, I'm helping out for most of it. I'm a monk tomorrow and then for the next couple of the days I am a journey guide. Do you think that coming out of school, Rosie, and bringing them into the setting of Russian Abbey, do you think it makes a massive difference? Yes, I, I think having an immersive experience is really, really important. When you've got a classroom, you're in the class seating, it has to be more formal, whereas here we can be informal and therefore make it more fun and they remember more purely because it's fun. Xander, Rosie, thank you very much indeed for talking to me. I mentioned that present SUMT leader Ruth Walker will soon be leaving her post, and it's going to be filled by someone who is already well known to us. She's Mrs Sue Yardy, an experienced teacher who's been the school's worker for primary age group and in September will step up to follow Ruth as SUMT team leader. I asked Sue where LifePath fits into primary school children's general education. It covers the whole of the Year 5 RE curriculum for the summer term. So teachers appreciate that because they can come and enjoy a day of activities but have all their curriculum RE taught to them in that day. We go in and do a pre-visit lesson and tell them all about the Cistercian monks and explain a little bit about what they ate and what the three knots in the belt meant. But yes, when they come and see the clock and see that they went to bed so early and got up really early and went to pray in church several times of the day and they had to work and 
cook and do everything for themselves. Yes, it's quite a surprise. And not just for a few days or for a week, that was their entire life. Yes. And, and that is so different from what we are used to today and certainly what young people are used to. Very different to what they're used to and only having a very small amount of choice for eating. The monks had the pulmentum, the, the fish porridge as we call it, and the children will remember that for years to come. We speak to many children who are a lot older. They're, oh yes, that was the day we had the fish porridge. They remember other things as well, but fish porridge is, is a big thing. But you also give them things to take away. Yes, they have the journey bag that's been made by people all over the island. And so from the monks, they take a bookmark with their three rules of living. From talking the talk, which is what we call the prayer tent, they take away all the craft things that they've done. So a, a decorated a heart for love. They might have made a bracelet to remember people by. They've planted crest seeds as a please prayer. They've said sorry, so they've blown bubbles. So they've got plenty to take away from there and then the characters on walking the walk the labyrinth they get an ichthus stone to remind them of the disciple they get a pipe cleaner cross that's uh, to remind them of the church they get a picture of the abbey and they get uh, from the modern day christian they get a mint with a soft centre representing Jesus being being a rock and having a soft centre for Christians and from signs and symbols they do the metal tapping and they do calligraphy so they take lots of things home and it caters for every child's different learning styles as well which is really good and at the end of the day we have that time of reflection as well for them to remember what they've done during the day so it does cater for every child in some way. Looking just very roughly to the future, what excites you about your, your new role? You have been involved with Scripture Union for a number of years now, but now you're taking a step up. Do you think this is going to give you an opportunity to perhaps develop things that you've been involved in a little way and that you would like to see them developed more fully perhaps? I think working with schools and finding out what they really want from us and working with some of the churches as well actually, helping them support the children's work on the island as well. So that excites me. Anything working with children excites me. So, And from a teaching background, working in the schools is a big part part of my life. And partnership is key to everything that we do in life, isn't it? Very much so. Partnership with all the churches ecumenically and with all the schools, primary and secondary. Thank you, Mrs. Sue Yardy, who in September will become the new Scripture Union Ministries Trust team leader. Thank you also to volunteers Rosie and Xander Shirtliff and to outgoing team leader Ruth Walker, who's worked so very hard for SUMT over the past years. We wish her well for all that lies ahead for her. And now a few peaceful moments in the company of Phil Crane as he brings us another of his favourite poems, taking us today to Mackled with words by Kathleen Farragher.
St Mackle's Well by Kathleen Farragher. Over Clifftop is a garden round St Mackle's ancient well, when the heather frames the hillock and the sunshine casts a spell on the gorse bloom and the harebells as the gentle breezes play and whisper all the secrets of some bygone happy day. Far below where seagulls argue and the dark shags dive and swim, a blue tide woos the stern cliffs with soft music like a hymn. And the veil of time is lifted in that quiet, mystic place where St. Mackled prayed and pondered on the erring human race. He must have viewed those brackened steeps, the wide arc of the bay, the sandy slopes of Point of Air, and Scotland far away, and watched the mists come stealing down to blot the coast from sight, and heard the storm's grim echo round Barul's majestic height. And all those things we see today, as Mackle saw them then, unchanged amid life's changing scenes and ruthlessness of men. And from that pathway on the cliffs, where saintly feet have trod, the sacred well looks upward still to kiss the face of God. St Mackle's Well by Kathleen Farragher was read by Phil Crane 
and that version of Gabriel's oboe theme was played by Simeon Wood. Now it's time for our Word of the Week from Ruth Rice, founder of Renew Wellbeing, cafe-style safe spaces where everyone is welcomed, supported and gently encouraged to find their own pathway to mental health. Ruth has created a very personal A to Z of things that are good for her own mental and emotional well-being. And she pops in each week in case what's good for her might be good for us too. This week, it's the letter G. G for good enough. So, Ruth, tell us some more. G is for good enough. I think one of the things I wish I'd known sooner, I wish I'd known it when I was trying to bring up the kids and get it right, is I was doing a good enough job. I wish there'd been somebody just to say to me, it's good enough, Ruth. (laughs) And maybe we could say that to each other, that we might not be doing really, really well, but it is good enough. And they'll probably still be okay, particularly saying this to parents of your parents. As long as you're not damaging them in any way, you're probably doing a good enough job. And some of the things that take us ages to do, because we are perfectionist, many of us, and it's what makes us a bit like a control freak, although I'll often say I am a control freak, but very often I'm not in control and that makes me just a freak. But this kind of perfectionism that says I've got to keep going till I get this right, have I got it right yet... I like to call this good enough thing that I tell myself kind of lazy perfectionism. It's like, I would love this to be better. And next time I might make it better. And next time I might be able to learn something. But for today, for this moment, if I've done the best that I can, that'll be good enough. I think that would have been better for my mental and emotional health if I told myself that more often rather than beating myself up that things weren't absolutely the same as everyone else's. My house wasn't as clean as other people's. Lazy perfectionism. Good enough. Thank you, Ruth Rice. And there'll be more from Ruth's Alphabet of Wellbeing next week. And that's almost all we have time for today. So let's finish with a look at our notice board. And we start with events today. And unfortunately, the first announcement is a cancellation. Several members of the Abilands Chapel family have COVID, so it's been decided that there will not be the usual service this afternoon at Abilands. Hopefully, all will be well and the three o'clock service there will resume next Sunday. But no service in Abilands today. Today, Balagheri Chapel in St Mark's have their Sunday school anniversary service this afternoon at half past two, when Mrs Pauline Corlett will preach, and this will be followed at four o'clock by a jubilee picnic with a warm welcome for everyone. Also this afternoon, one of the island's leading organists, John Riley, will give a concert in St Matthew's Church on the North Quay here in Douglas. John's concert is entitled All My Favourite Pieces, a varied programme of music to suit all tastes. The concert starts this afternoon at three, admission is free and there'll be strawberry teas served in the church hall afterwards. And this evening, Sandygate Chapel on Jerby Road invites you to join them as they celebrate their 160th anniversary with a special service tonight at half past six. Sandygate Chapel will also be open on Tuesday the 28th, serving light refreshments, and you're very welcome to pop in any time between 10am and 12 noon. Looking to the week ahead and the parish church in St Mark's are celebrating their 250th anniversary with a concert by the Glenfaber Chorale in St Mark's Parish Church tomorrow, Monday evening at half past seven, with refreshments in the schoolroom afterwards. 
On Wednesday the 29th, there's another Summer Songs of Praise in St Adamnan's Lonnan Old Church. It starts at half past seven and will be led by Mr Nigel Cretney. St Thomas's Church here in Douglas, just off the promenade by the Gaiety Theatre, have a concert every Wednesday evening through the summer, with free admission and refreshments afterwards. The concert always starts at a quarter to eight, and this week the Laxey handbell ringers will be providing the entertainment. Looking now to next weekend, and we've important news from Karen Norton at Café Lingo. Based in the Promenade Methodist Church here in Douglas, Café Lingo is the perfect place for anyone needing help to learn English. Starting next Saturday, July the 2nd, Café Lingo will be meeting in the top hall of the Promenade Methodist Church here in Douglas from a quarter past ten to quarter to twelve every Saturday morning with lessons one week and meet and chat, that's practising social conversation in English, on alternate weeks. There'll also be additional beginners' lessons every Saturday morning from half past nine to quarter past ten, and these will be in the coffee lounge, also in the Promenade Methodist Church. There's no charge for any lessons and no need to book. Just come along and learn English in a relaxed and friendly atmosphere. Also on Saturday the 2nd of July, Baldrine Chapel have a coffee morning with raffle. It's in the Chapel Hall and it's open from half past ten till twelve noon next Saturday morning. And because next Saturday is the first Saturday of July, there'll be the monthly Glen May Craft Market, open next Saturday from 11am to 3pm at Glen May Chapel and Community Centre. There'll be homemade produce, crafts, gifts, knitwear, jewellery and artwork, all by local artists. Entry is free and there'll be homemade light lunches, including those famous bacon baps, on sale. You're invited to a garden party and afternoon tea also on Saturday next, July the 2nd, at Mona Lodge, Jerby Road, Ramsey, with tea, games, a raffle and a beautiful garden to enjoy. It's from half past two to half past four, with admission just five pounds for adults. Organised by the local branch of Methodist Women in Britain, the event is raising money for a Malawi charity partnered with the Methodist charity All We Can, committed to educating teenage girls and supporting their children. Bride Sunday School Anniversary will be celebrated with a special service next Sunday afternoon at four o'clock. Reverend Andy Fishburne is the preacher and there will be special singing by the Sunday school children and the service will be followed by afternoon tea. The Mariners invite you to join them for the last service of this season which is next Sunday, July the 3rd at half past six in St Luke's Church in Baldwin. The preacher will be Reverend Stephen Heron and the service will be followed as usual by supper and community hymn singing. And last but by no means least, St James's Church in Dalby are celebrating their church anniversary next Sunday, July the 3rd, in a service at half past six, with music from the choir Manx Voices and guest speakers reflecting on where we've come from, where we're at and where we're going to. Tea, Dalby style, will be served in the schoolrooms after the celebration service. And that's all that we have time for now, but I'll be back in the studio tonight from nine with sundown. Easy listening music to round off the weekend, and I'd love you to join me if you can. Do please email me if you've got items for the notice board. My address is judithlay at manxradio.com. 
So till whenever we meet again, this is Judith saying thank you for listening and I wish you and those you love a blessed and peaceful week and a very good morning. Stay.